Aquinas has a great memory. He quoted that whole scripture. That was scripture. That was from the Gospel of Luke, and that's where we'll be tonight. So you can turn, um, you can turn to Luke 2. I'm really thankful for Linus. Because in the midst of this chaos that is the Charlie Brown Christmas special, this little boy steps in and, and helps Charlie Brown uh, figure out what Christmas is all about. You see, Charlie Brown had started noticing with his friends that they were making Christmas all about what they could get, right, for Christmas. You guys have all seen the Charlie Brown Christmas. And, and then Lucy, uh, Lucy comes to Charlie and, he sa- and she says, Charlie Brown, you should lead our Christmas pageant. Because if you do, it will cheer you up. And anybody who has ever directed or ran or led anything knows that that was like a flat-out lie, right? It never cheers you up to lead something, especially like a school Christmas pageant. And so, guess what happens? You guys, you've seen this, right? Or you guys have never heard of Charlie Brown? No, that's a shame. It was on a couple weeks ago. And what happens? People start telling him how to direct the Christmas pageant. I want to do this, and I want to do this. And he is so frustrated by the materialism and by the selfishness that he, he does his, you know, uh, you know, that's how they turn their head up and they yell. And, that's how, and then he says, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? As if to say, if Christmas is about this, then I don't want it. If Christmas is about materialism and strong-arming other people to get your own way, if that's what Christmas is about, then I don't want it. This is chaotic. It's not very peaceful. And so then trusty Linus with his little blanket. Our daughter Bailey pulls blankets all over the house all day long. I don't know how old Linus is, but not too far away from Bailey. And, And he pulls up trusty little blanket, and he says, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And that's the main point of our our talk tonight, or the, the main point of the passage, we'll put it up on the screen, is that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior, the Christ, and the Lord, who comes to bring peace to God's people. That is so simple. That is the Christmas message, and it can't get any simpler than that. So I want you to think for a minute about what it means to have peace. Probably, I would, I would assume probably most of us would immediately think, oh, it means like no war, right? Or it means the absence of conflict, the absence of problems between people, friction between personalities. That's what, that's what peace means. Maybe you're thinking, uh, no family war at Christmas, right? If you're thinking of holiday peace. You're thinking, I just, I want to go to a family outing where uh, people don't fight with each other, where people don't yell at each other, where the little kids aren't fighting over who gets to open up the first Christmas present. You want to go to a family outing where people like each other or at least pretend to like each other, right? That's what, that would be a lot of our wishes for, for a peaceful Christmas. Now, when we think of peace, what we should immediately think of is reconciliation, right? When people are reconciled, that means there's two parties, or there's two people, or there's two groups or entities or whatever who come together and they're reconciled. And so, ultimately, that's what Christmas is about. There was God and there was man, and they were at odds. They were enemies, and Christ came to give them peace. And so, ultimately, Christmas is about the peace that Jesus brings between God and man. 
So there's three questions we're going to ask of our passage. And I know Brad read some of this last week, and we'll get into a little bit further along in Luke 2. But there's three questions that we want to ask of the passage tonight. The first one is really simple. Who is this good news baby? Who is he? The second thing is, what is the good news this baby brings? And the third thing is, how should we respond? And amazingly enough, by God's grace, we see all of those in this passage. Every one of them. So let me pray really quick for us, and then we'll, we'll dive right in, okay? Father in heaven, we thank you that Christmas is about peace. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth. And I pray, Lord, that you would apply this passage to us by your Holy Spirit here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, like I said, Brad read these verses last week, but it's part of one story, so it's worth repeating, right? What happens last week? These, these shepherds are out working their job in a field. I mean, they're working a job. Don't forget that. They're just out hanging out with their sheep, and angels appear to them out of nowhere. And I think Brad maybe last week made a joke about, uh, oh, maybe, I don't, or maybe the joke has been made, oh, maybe I had some bad food before dinner. What's going on? This is nuts. This is kind of weird. So this angel appears to them. And then, and then the text says that a host of angels appears to these shepherds. Well, God doesn't do things the way that we think they should be done. He has just sent his son, this baby, into the world, a, a, a baby. God comes as a baby. And the first guys that find out are dirty, stinky shepherds. Shepherding wasn't like a job that you would want to have back in the day. Um, it wasn't like being, uh, you know, a really fancy, like a CEO of some corporation, or it wasn't being like being a movie star. It was like being a garbage man. Who would want to be a garbage man? I'm assuming nobody is signing up to college to go. To, you wouldn't want to do that, right? And so that's what, so, so God is sending his son and the news of his son to lowly shepherds. Now here's the history of what has been happening. Israel has been suffering under other nations. They haven't been their own country. They haven't been a sovereign nation like the United States is. They have had other peoples, and you guys probably know the names of these countries. They've suffered under the Persians, They've suffered under the Greeks. They've suffered under the Romans. So these other nations have been controlling Israel. And Israel has been longing. They have been longing for God to do something to save them from these other nations. They have been waiting for at least 400 years, if not more, for God to come. For God to send his promised Savior, his promised Messiah, which means promised one, his promised servant, to help Israel. They have been longing for it. And now what would you think? What would you think a powerful, sovereign God would do to save his people? Maybe send a politician who can kind of smooth talk everyone else and, and tell them how things are going to go? Or maybe he would send them a powerful, mighty military general just to blow them all away, right? Nuke them, right? Who wouldn't want that? No, he doesn't do that, does he? What does he do? He sends a baby. The baby's born in a barn. Jesus was born in a barn. 
He was born in a stable or a horse trough or something. He was born in some, some little cave that you wouldn't think a powerful Savior would be born in. And so God doesn't do things the way that we think he should. Now, the world desperately needs some good news. And that's why this, that's why this good news baby is good news. Now, I think of this line. I thought of this line from a, a Christmas carol that we all know. And I didn't know what it was for the longest time. I didn't know what it meant. The line is from the song, Oh, Holy Night. You guys know that song? It's beautiful, right? And here's the line. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. And everyone says, what in the world is pining? Does anybody know what pining means? Okay. Okay. It means, it means an intense longing due to grief. So the song is communicating this great truth that Israel was feeling. For, for 400 years, and really for all of human history, we have had this intense longing that the world would be made right because we all know, we all know, whether you're a Christian or not, this is not how the world should be, right? I mean, we can, all, can you all agree to that? This is not how the world should be. You could flip on the news for five minutes and, and probably pick that up. So long lay the world in sin and error, pining. It's not in the Bible, but it's a true statement. The world had been longing for something. And it had been longing because there was this grief. And it it was longing to be changed. And so here's this good news baby. And then this angel tells these shepherds what this good news baby is. And so the first thing that Luke tells us is that he's a savior. This baby is a savior. And so what do saviors do? Saviors rescue people. Saviors rescue. And what Jesus does, what this baby does, is he rescues us from guilt. He, he takes guilt away. Everybody in this room is guilty, and we all feel that, I'm assuming. I know I have. And saviors, Jesus the savior takes away guilt, but he also takes away something far worse than guilt, and that's the wrath of God. Think about wrath this way. Um, wrath is God's holy anger against sin. And so what a Savior does is he takes that away. He saves us from it. He rescues us from that. Okay? So the second thing is that he is called Christ. Christ is a, is a Greek word for Messiah. Messiah is a Hebrew word for the anointed one or the promised one. And so what this baby is, as Christ, is he is someone that has been promised to us to fulfill all our longings, to fulfill all our needs, to fulfill all our hopes. Really, when God says, I will send you a Messiah, he's saying, I'm going to send you someone who will be all that you were meant to be. And you never could be. That's the second thing. The third thing is that this baby, this little baby, I mean, little baby, like think about it. Let that like sink in for a second. And you parents in the room obviously will, will know what I'm talking about. You got like this little baby, and he was Jewish, so he was smaller, right? Smaller baby. They're small, smaller people than, than us Westerners. Little baby is called Lord. Lord. He's not just Savior, he's not just Christ, he is sovereign God of the universe who will crush his enemies. He will defeat our enemies. This little baby 
is Lord. And if you know the other modern Christmas hymn, Mary, did you know? I think I don't know the exact line, but it's, you know, Mary, did you know when you kiss the face of your little baby, you kiss the face of God. This little baby is Lord. So the little baby that you put in the little manger in the little nativity set is, is a picture of the sovereign God becoming a little baby. Fascinating. Amazing. Makes you want to worship this God who would lower himself so much to take on flesh, to save us. So that's who this baby is. That's who this baby is. Now, I realize that most of you, I would say most of you, I mean, there are probably many, uh, some if not many, who are not Christians, but most of you would know Christmas is about Jesus, right? I mean, the Christ is in the Word. But I wonder, I really wonder, and my heart breaks to say this, how many of you love that Christmas is about Jesus. There's a difference between knowing that it's about Jesus, like with your, just your mind, and loving it. And it is wisdom for you to figure out the difference in your own life. It is wisdom for you to figure out the difference between just knowing that, yeah, well, Christ, Mass, Christ, I guess it's about Jesus. Oh, I love that. I love with my mind and I love with my heart I love Jesus with my mind and my heart because of what this day is, because of what this season is. I love that. So there's a difference. And that's your job to figure out the difference in your life. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing, second point, what's the good news this baby brings? What is the good news this baby brings? It's for all people. So even though this this Jewish baby is born to deliver the Jewish people to be their Messiah. Verse 10, you can look at it, it says it's for all people. It's good news for everyone, even Polish, Italian, German, Czech mutts like me and whatever you guys are out there. It's for you. And then the good news is is really twofold. And you can look at verses 13 and 14, specifically verse 14, and this is where We'll camp out for a few minutes. Linus read it, and I'll read it again. The angels come to the shepherds, and they say, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. What sweet words. Now, what are these things? Glory and peace, right? It's pretty simple. There's glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. So, first thing is glory. Christmas is about glory, and this good news baby comes to give glory to God in the highest. Now, you might be thinking, at least I was thinking, why is this good news? Like, why is it good news that God gets glory and I don't? That's, I'm told not to glorify myself. Now, what does glory mean? It means lots of things. It means to be valued, worth, uh, splendor, majesty, uh, to get credit. I mean, that's what glory means, all those things. And what we're taught is it's bad for you to seek those things. You should be humble. So why is it good news that God gets glory? That doesn't seem to be fair. I mean, is anybody else thinking that right now? How, how, unhum- how unhumble of God, how proud, how arrogant of him. Glory to God in the highest? It doesn't seem very fair. 
But it's good news because we don't deserve glory. We've rebelled against God. In fact, Romans 1 puts it this way. It says that we have exchanged the glory or we have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Worshipping creation rather than creator. We could never handle glory. We're not worthy of any credit because we haven't gotten it right. We've done nothing to deserve glory. We've done nothing to deserve value or worth or splendor or majesty. We can't because we haven't met the standards that God has set out for us. So, it's good news because we're helpless, right? Doesn't that, is that registering? It's hard for me to think about it that way, but because I make my, all, my, I make my world about me. I'm helpless. I can't do anything to help myself or help my spiritual well-being. And so here's why God gets glory. Because sinners are helpless. And he comes to help. He comes to help. And look what he does. He comes in the form of a baby to save us. And this baby would ultimately grow up and live and die and rise again. And so who's doing all the work? You can answer. God. God is doing all the work for you, for me, in our salvation. And so we get help, and he gets credit. He gets glory. He gets worth. He gets value. He gets splendor. He gets thanks. He gets praise. He gets honor. And here's a pastor, a pastor named John Piper. He puts it this way. This is the deal that keeps us humble and happy and keeps him supreme and glorious. This is the deal that keeps us humble and happy and keeps him supreme and glorious. So Christmas isn't about you and it's not about me. It's about God's glory. It's about the fact that he does it all so he gets all the credit. He gets all of the value. He is worthy. I get all the help. I get all the help in the universe. Why would I ever want to steal glory from him? But we do, right? We do. We sin. We fail. But Christmas is not about me. Life is not about me. It's not about you. It's about God's, it's about God's glory. So that's the first thing. That's good news. It's good news that God gets glory because he helps us. He helps us. We get all the help. He gets all the credit. Second thing the passage says is peace. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Everybody wants peace, right? Do you know anybody who says, man, I would really love a chaotic life. I would really love it if I went to school and everybody like pelted me with spit. Do you guys still do spit wads? We did when I was in school. Okay. Yep, we would spit them up against the clock and see how long they would hang there until the end of the year, how hard they would get. So that's what we would do. That was in grade school, though. I realize you're much more mature than that now. So you, you say, I wish people would just pelt me with spit wads, and I wish there would be food fights every day, and people would just throw books and trip me, and, and, and teachers would harass, and it would just be chaos. Oh, I just, and I want my parents to yell at me, and I want to fight with my siblings, and, and I wish I could go to every Christmas, and we would just never get along. Nobody wants that. Does anybody want that? No, no, good. Nobody wants that. That would, that would be terrible. 
Now think for a minute about why you don't have peace, especially at Christmas, whether you're a Christian or not. Think about that, because I think we would all admit it. Now, let's just be honest. For some of you, your parents are divorced. And so that makes the holiday schedule really stressful. It makes traveling really hard. It, it makes conversations with your dad or your mom or your stepdad or stepmom awkward sometimes. Christmas doesn't seem as peaceful. Maybe it's because finances are a little tight, and so Christmas won't have all the glitz and glamour that you thought it would or you think it should. Maybe it's something else. But whatever it is, we all try to go about getting peace in different ways than how God gives it. Essentially, we idolize control because we say, at least I say, and I'm assuming you identify with me, I can get peace over this area of my life, or I can get peace if I get mastery over this area, or I can get peace if I accomplish this, or I can get peace if I get this grade, I get into this college, I get this job, I have sex with this person, he starts dating me, I win uh, an award in this sport, I get this kind of GPA, my parents stop arguing, my brother leaves me alone, and I'm going to work so hard to control these areas of my life because then I'll, I'll get peace. So we try to control. Is this the kind of peace, all these situations, is that what the angels are talking about? I don't think so. There's three kinds of peace that God gives, and the first one is the main one, and the other two are kind of, they derive from the first one. So here's the first one. The first kind of peace, and this is the peace that the angels are talking about in the passage. It's called peace with God. Peace with God. The most basic need we have. The penalty for sin is God's wrath. His explosive, holy anger. It's not funny, and it's not a joke that he has against sinners who rebel. But even though this wrath is on sinners, we can have peace with God. Romans 5 once says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And we'll talk about what that means, what justified by faith means in a second. To be, to be righteous or to be justified means... Uh, it means to be declared righteous. God says something about you. You're righteous. You're clean. You're not, you're not guilty anymore. You're free. That's our fundamental need. That's messed up. Everything else will be messed up. So these other two flow out of that. So we have peace with God. Peace with God. You're not his enemy anymore. He's not your enemy anymore. He's your friend if you have faith, if you have faith in Jesus. So then these other two, peace with yourself and peace with others. So if you have peace with God, you will have peace within yourself. You have the peace of God. Everything in your life seems to make a little bit more sense. And you realize it makes more sense because you realize the only things that can really hurt me, like sin, death, God's wrath, eternity in hell, they can't hurt me anymore. The only things that really matter can't hurt me. So... I don't have to be anxious about my tests. I don't have to be anxious about Christmas at Uncle Bob's house. I don't have to be anxious about my parents fighting. Because the only things that can really hurt me can't hurt me anymore. Second thing, peace with others. When you realize that God is no longer your enemy, that he's your friend, that he loves you, 
that he looks at you and says, righteous, not guilty. You won't hold sins against other people. You won't go around keeping records because you'll say, God has forgiven me and and loved me. I'm going to show other people what that's like. I'm going to show them what forgiveness and what grace is like. And I hope that you come in to know what God's peace is. I hope that you need to know the peace with God through Jesus. So it, it changes the way you relate to yourself and it changes the way you relate to other people. Because when you see God as ultimate, it affects this reality here. It, it affects your life. It will. I, I promise it will. So the last thing, how do we get this peace? Or how do we respond to the good news? How do we get it? There's got to be a way to get it. When the shepherds hear this good news, what's the first thing they do? Look at verse 15. I think we put it up on the screens too. Oh, I'll read it here. When the angels had left them, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they, they obviously knew this message was from the Lord. So they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds responded by going to the Messiah. They went to him. Verse 14 is clear, our main verse about peace with God. It's clear not everyone will have this peace, right? What does the verse say? Peace with God, or excuse me, peace among men or peace to men on whom his favor rests. Or some other versions will say peace among men with whom God is pleased. How do you please God? Try really hard? How can you try really hard when you have a sinful heart? How can you do enough good? You can't. The only way we can be, and you don't remember anything else tonight, remember this. If you don't write anything else down, write this down if you're into that. The only way you can be pleased with God is to be connected to Jesus by faith. That's the only way you can please God. You cannot please him, Christian or not, any other way. You please God by having faith. And that faith, according to Ephesians 2, is a gift that he gives to you. Here's three verses to chew on. Romans 5.1, we've already read it. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Hebrews 11.6, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You can't get any more plain than that. Can't get any more clear. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The only way you have peace is by believing. We mentioned that phrase earlier, justified by faith. To have peace is to be justified because then God is no longer your enemy. No longer at odds with him. His wrath is not on you. Because you've believed. You've believed in what? You believed in the Messiah. You believed in Jesus. 
Now, this is very important to remember. Jesus grew up. You don't get peace by gawking over the baby at Bethlehem. You maybe think about it this way. Jesus didn't stay in Bethlehem, and so we shouldn't either. You can't go to Bethlehem's manger without going to Jerusalem's cross. Does that make sense? You can't go to Bethlehem's manger, uh, manger without going to Jerusalem's cross. Nobody's offended at baby Jesus, right? You've seen Talladega Nights? Eight pounds, six pounds, you know, nobody. Nobody's offended at baby Jesus, he coos and he yawns and he, he does all the things that babies do and nobody's offended at him. No one. But Carly Bobby was right. Jesus grew up to be a man. That's Will Ferrell's wife in the movie, for those of you, if you missed that. Jesus grew up to be a man. And he didn't stay in the manger. You know what's really offensive? That the baby in the manger grew up and lived the life I should have lived. Telling me that I couldn't do it on my own. Do you know what's offensive? That this baby grew up to be a man and he died on a cross absorbing the wrath of God in himself that I deserved for eternity. That's offensive. Do you know what's offensive? That I am telling you right now that the only way for you to know God and, and, and have righteousness before God and, and be right with him and have peace with God is to believe that. People die for that all over the world because it's offensive. Nobody's offended at baby Jesus. No one. There are billions of people who are offended at the man, Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about. That Jesus grew up to be a man to give you peace because you couldn't do it on your own. Martin Luther said this. He's, a, he's dead now, but he was a, a pastor during the Reformation in the 1500s. He said, if you recognize love and magnify God's grace in your life, and cast aside your works and yourself, then you are a Christian. You see, you can't manipulate or control your own life to get peace. You can't promise that you will have peace because you get enough money, or you get the right Christmas present, or you get the right technology toy, or you, your parents get along, or you get along with your parents. You can't control that. You can't manipulate peace. You can't manipulate God. So you may be thinking, well, I'm a Christian. I know that. I love Jesus, and I, I have peace with him. I'm, I'm justified by faith. I have, I have faith. Remember that the only things in life that can really hurt you won't hurt you anymore. And so you have freedom to not be anxious. You have freedom to love people. And you have freedom to have peace. That's good news if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian... You will never have true peace. You'll have some superficial peace and you'll have some superficial joy or superficial happiness. But you'll always be uneasy or you'll always be at, uh, uh, unrested. You'll always have uh, disharmony in your life if you don't have peace with God. 
The only people who have peace are those with whom God is pleased. And the only people that God is pleased with are those who have faith. And it doesn't mean blind faith. It means I trust in him, not me. That's faith. Brad mentioned that last week. It's like trust. It's the stool example. I trust in that person, not me. That person is Jesus. I trust in him. I bank my life on him. I have faith in him. I have faith that his record and his death counts for me. And that is good news. Amen, hallelujah, and any other word that would glorify God you could put in there. How awesome is that? That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And so I just want to plead with you, if you just, would everybody just look at me like, I don't know what else to say other than, do you want that peace? We all don't have, none of us have the right kind of peace that we really want if we're not right with God. You can't get it. And even, even the ones here like me who are Christians, we realize there are parts of my life that just aren't as peaceful as they could be. It's because we still live in a broken world, a sinful world, and I'm still sinful. But a lot of the reason is, is because I don't realize how this man and how his death and how his resurrection can give me peace in every area of my life. And I want that. And I want you guys to have that too. So remember that this baby, this baby grew up to be a man. And he lived the life that you should have lived and he died the death that you deserve to die so that you would have peace with God, peace within yourself, and peace with others. That's good news. And that's what Christmas is all about. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you sent your son as a baby at Christmas to give us peace. Thank you that we can't get peace on our own, but that if we trust in Jesus, not the baby Jesus, the man Jesus, the person of Jesus, as Savior, as Christ, as Lord, we will have peace with you. And that will change every area of our life. Slowly, yes, Lord, we know, but it will change. And I pray that everyone in this room would know that, would love that, and would receive that. If they haven't, and if they have already received it, would they receive it again, and again, and again, day after day, until they die, or you come back. In Jesus' name, amen.